We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And, Andy, we've got a special guest today. My favorite man in the world. A man (laughs) who, you know, now I wonder if Warrior fans even remember him. There's a lot of who's on the team. Warriors fans. There's a lot of Who, who's on the team right now. By the way, is, before we even get into it, guys, and you intro me, I, I feel bad. I think I'm, I'm not I'm not pouring over this on a granular level like you guys are. I mean, is is Otto Otto Porter? He's not still on the team, right? Stop, like he's sucks. is David Stop. David Lee? Is David Lee still? <laughs> is he still? It's a good you thing know? he's not. Ornian Kuzmich? <laughs> is he still around uh, in the background somewhere? Kuzmich, what a pull. It's just I miss I miss the days of them having the awkward gangly center yeah. who will never break the rotation. I mean they had one for half yeah. the year, but anyway, that's they're about to play one in the first round. <laughs> you know they're about to play one on Friday. Ooh, it's a bonus a little better than that, far. my man. Come on, too far. All right, we got uh, Ethan Strauss from the House of Strauss. Ethan, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Love being on. You guys, you guys. I, I don't want to, you know, the sincerity has got to be in the outro. I got to be busting your balls at the beginning. Um, but I am happy to be on with fine gentlemen such as yourself. Do you consider yourself still NBA media? Where where do we define ourselves in the House of Strauss <laughs> sphere? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I'm not. Wa- the only team I watch is really the Warriors. And it's because they're they're on. It's it's on in Seinfeld when they were pitching that TV show. Uh, people ask, why would you watch? And it's because it's on TV. When I go to, you know, when I go to the gym, the games are on and uh, they're still pretty enjoyable. You know, they're still pretty. I mean, this season has been kind of rocky, but there have been some mystery to it. I like how it seems like maybe Voltron is reassembling. I never watched whatever show or movie that happened in. It's just a phrase mm. I hear people use. Um, you know, I think that's cool. GP2, I, I enjoy that. Uh, but I am not by no means an expert. But every now and again, given what I did and having been a beat writer, I'm called upon to fake it. And I had this whole, I had this whole rigmarole two days ago, and Sam knows about it. I told him about it. Um, because every now and again, every now and again, Colin Cowherd will call me, uh, call upon me to be on his show and give some Warriors perspective. And I feel a little bit like I can't say no to Colin, but at the same time, I feel like I'm a bit of a fraud. And so there's always a crash course. You've study come session. to the right place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and so it, it, it happened in this an especially weird way. Um, I, through a scheduling mistake that was my fault, I dropped my kid off at soccer camp and then I get pinged by the producer and I realize I think there's too much traffic to get back home and set up. And I was oh, you on did the, the in car hit. Well, I, I no, floated I it to know. the producer, but you can't do the in car hit. Okay. And so I just got off the eight. I got off 80. I was about to say the 80, like a Southern Californian, like a San Diegan. Mm-hmm. I got off 80 and I just went on Solano. Cause I know there's a bunch of cafes. I marched into wow. the Royal grounds cafe. <laughs> and I just announced like, ladies and gentlemen, wow. I'm going to do a TV hit. Is that okay? <laughs> and, uh, wow. Now I have to look this one up because I you told me about it, but I still haven't yeah. watched it. Yeah, I've yeah. I've been to that so, Royal Grounds, by the way. 
<laughs> oh yeah. Well, it's got a nice, some nice open lighting. I'm, I'm sure I'm telling the short version. I actually checked out two cafes really quick and I went <laughs> and the clock is ticking by the way. And the, I'm getting buzz, like buzz. The producer is buzzing me like bring, bring, bring. I'm like, I can't not that good enough lighting. That's not going to work. Ooh, Royal grounds. Okay. Open concept. I like this. This is good. And I try to set up by the coffee station, but a guy's literally trying to get coffee and like right. elbowing me out of the way. I go across facing the sugar cream station, balance the phone on a wall mount piece of artwork, um, squat. I'm squatting the entire time to be in the shot as old people are looking at me confused. And then in my head, I go, oh, and I have to be passable about the Warriors. And he might ask me about the CBA. Let's see how this goes. But <laughs> the reason I'm telling you this story, uh, other than to give myself a pat on the back for yeah, being nice. resourceful well and getting it done, um, is that when I was done, the cafe owner wasn't annoyed. He was just so stoked because obviously he's a big Warriors fan. He went, is your job to talk about the Warriors? Oh my God, <laughs> da, 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 da. this is so cool. And, and it gave me this thought of this team in this area, it still has such a positive association that I, I was so lucky to even in this weird adjacent, sometimes confounding it, sometimes annoying people, but whatever it was, it was just so nice to be attached to something in a way that makes people in this area just get excited in a way where if I was in that guy's cafe bellowing about the Dow Jones industrial average or some other thing, I don't think he would have liked it. I don't think he would have abided it. But because it's the Warriors, people are like, hell yeah, you know, make a scene. Let's do it. That was a hell of a plane land right there. Well, that was like one of your Substack articles. Just let's go, let's go, let's go, and just I also boom. think you're I also think you're boom. underselling it because you covered the team for what? Almost a decade there. Something like that. Yeah. And you covered like basically all the key figures who are still running the team. So you, mm. you have a certain level of are knowledge of like do you Ooh. still talk like you still talk to Bob? You know, like like Bob let you know he's not coming back yet. Like, Is Steve he, in the group chat? Yeah. <laughs> I'll shoot a text every now and again, but I don't, I don't try to bother them. You know, I, yeah. this isn't giving too much away. Uh, Steve Kerr butt dialed me. Um, I don't know who he was trying to call and that he, that he shot me a text. He's like, you should come to practice sometime. I'm like, okay. You know, and I, I, it was funny because I was, I was with my neighbor um, mm -hmm. and he's, he's a really cool guy. He's a personal trainer. And this is when this happens. Like, dude, can you get me in the practice? Can you come to practice? <laughs> oh my god! And it's this reminder again that people love this stuff. For me, it was yeah. just how oh, like go back to work, go back to the old office. Like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I gotta I've seen talk Steph to Curry. Kevin. <laughs> I mean, that Why? is kind of on. You you yeah. are right though. Like this team resonates in a way that very few do with the local area. And like the general sentiment I get from Warrior fans is, well, Wiggins is back. So they're obviously going to repeat, ignore the fact obviously. that they're a, uh, two games above 500 or whatever mm -hmm. it may be. Yeah. There's just like, you know, at a certain point when you have that much success and really there's just no one else who looks yeah. all that impressive. Like you don't see the next Warriors. You see a bunch no. of teams who are like, they're good, but they're beatable. <laughs> It, it it feels like this isn't a championship team, but nobody else is. Um, exactly. And it, it's it's a relative game. I mean, is it saying too much to say that in the Western Conference last season, there was no championship level team other than the Warriors uh, in the end, as it all played out? I can't remember who got injured and everything else. That might have confounded things. Um, and, you know, you can say, you can look to the East and find worthy championship teams, but... It, it seems like in the Western Conference right now, it's truly in variance, unless unless Denver actually shows that they are what they present or, or as like, regular season-wise and shuts everybody up. It feels like the Suns are being built up as that yeah. team. And like I get yes. it on, on paper. They do have players who can be key players on a title team. But they've played six games together, you know. Like they're, yeah. it's more of a, it's more of like a fantasy team than like a reality at this point. <laughs> yes, yeah. I should have mentioned them, but the reason was that that they they just kind of, it's the most mercenary situation since the Brooklyn Nets, which birthed this situation. <laughs> um, although there's a little bit more organic than the Nets, that's not fair. There is something of a core happening there with the uh with the suns yeah it wouldn't shock people if they won a championship but then again i'm not sure what anybody would really 
draw off of it um, because you think people so wouldn't. I think it'd be care. terrible for the NBA if yeah. they want a title, mm. just because like they get you know they get KD midseason. He doesn't play because of a variety of injuries, which are just kind of bad luck. And then they can yeah. just roll through the playoffs with no chemistry, no team identity, none of that. Like I don't know. Andy and I have talked about this, but like if the Warriors aren't going to win. I would want to see a team like Denver or Milwaukee yeah. or Boston, yeah. someone who like has been through the wars and their core's been there. And like, at least, at least, you know what you're getting with Denver. Like they're a I, team who's built themselves. I would even argue yeah. the Lakers would be a team that, I mean, as much as we would, I would hate watching the Lakers win and LeBron yeah, win. It just be, I, I know, but it just, it would just be objectively like that would be a story where it would make a lot of yeah. sense. Like you could sell that. But the Phoenix Suns, I mean, like, even to a lesser degree, we talk about the Clippers all season. The Clippers, <laughs> what is that? What is that thing over there? I watched them play yeah. last night, and I'm, like, watching Bone, Bones Highland make big shots in the in the biggest game of the season. I'm just like, what kind of team is this? <laughs> a player they hired, like, six weeks ago. What is this? Same, same with Westbrook. It's just, it's like a transient concept of a team. It's not yeah. a real, you know, and it starts with Kawhi, and it's just, sure. yeah. You know, it's it kind of gets the way to people. milk. <laughs> well, I didn't want to, I was about to say it was a way to milk Steve Ballmer, but that sounds not not right to say a <laughs> sentence. But a running joke within the league is just how many people he's hired who have convinced him with his deep pockets to fund them. Who it's not what you, it's too many cooks in the kitchen, and I don't think the results have been that impressive and, overall. And now, given the bounty, Bob they Myers. Have. <laughs> oh, maybe we shall see. We shall see. That's a that's what Bob does when he turns on the waterworks. It's just he imagines coming back for uh, to work for Joe, and that's when he really starts, you know, tapping into the uh, tapping into the character there. I'm kidding. Those are genuine tears. Every time Bob <laughs> is crying at a press conference, he's a good guy. He is an agent, though. He is an agent. You got to remember that. <laughs> um, and and I think actually, as we talk about like the Clippers and Suns, like that's why the Warriors resonate so much with their fans, right? Like Steph mm. Curry can do literally no wrong in the eyes of anyone in the Bay Area and and Warrior fans. And it's just like they've had this same cast of a team for a decade plus that they've yeah. seen grow together. That That's what gets fans to actually engage and kind of stick with it instead of whatever the hell the Clippers are, you know? that's I mean, that's what people want. You can either argue against what people want or just accept it. They that's want- what the internet's for. Yeah, I suppose that is what the internet's for and increasing the media. But it seemed like... <laughs> When the Heatles thing happened, which I think in the short term was good for the league because it was good to have one situation like that, that people shook their fists at and got mad at. And then you could juxtapose that against some other situation that was a little bit more organic. But once once it became a trend, that's not really what people are into. And it's difficult because the players collectively bargain for free agency. You need to allow for free agency. You want a situation like KG with the Wolves after over however long of trying to go, okay, this isn't working. We need to find something else. It's but when it, tilt, it, it tilts over to this other mode where every half a star is demanding that the situation change, um, that's not good for the league. I mean, you, I wrote that it's one of the reasons why women's college basketball is gaining on the NBA is that some of these stars have been with the teams for years and it gives you time to get used to their presence. Um, And again, I think people start making this moral argument when you point it out that players shouldn't be forced to play for the team that drafted them. And yeah, yeah, sure. But number one, that's what the money's for. And number two, Hey, this is just what fans like. This is just what they're into. They want a core. They love that. They know who's on the warriors as their core And then you can make some additions to the core and that keeps it fresh. If you go away from that model that, that we remember from, you know, the not so distant past, you get into this kind of topsy turvy, uh, the Rubik's cube is always spinning whatever stupid metaphor I'm trying to find here, but it doesn't work as much. I think that's why it's important that like teams like that actually win because it paints like, I don't, I don't want to go off too much on KD, but it's like, if you're a young player, whose career looks more enjoyable, Steph Curry's or Kevin Durant's at this stage, you know, yeah, um, you can yeah. think he's the most talented player of all time. He might be the most talented player of all time. But when you look at it, just kind of bouncing around, no real fans, you know, 
he wins, but people don't give him the credit for it versus the guy who built something, you know, the incentive would align that doing it the way that, you know, Curry and the Warriors did is more enjoyable. You get more fruits of your oh. labor than trying to, you know, kind of do what essentially LeBron did right for years. Yeah. Not enough people have been making this case that in many ways it's better for you, I guess, yeah. because it sounds so staid and it sounds like an abstinence education speech, <laughs> but you're, you're more oftentimes as a superstar, better off staying put. And yeah, there might be a ceiling on what you can accomplish, but you don't want to, I mean, like Paul George is a man without a country. Uh, Kevin Durant is a man without a country. LeBron James, you know, Cleveland, I think will always be appreciative of him coming back and winning it, but there's still that kind of feeling where it's been diluted a little bit um, as it should be. By and the he way, he might I mean, just be one of one where he can quasi yeah. pull it off in a way that isn't really repeatable anyway. I would agree. I think that in a way he was the exception uh, that proved the rule and the imitators trying to do what he did. I mean, I always had this thought of watching, you know, I was the lone person watching the shop when it was on HBO and uh, he had Anthony Davis with LeBron and Anthony Davis was saying, and I'm paraphrasing here that LeBron really taught me how to view myself as a corporation because I'm a business and he taught me how to view myself as a business. And I thought, you know, LeBron can view himself as a business and that can work for the league. 25 guys viewing themselves as a business. I don't think that works for the league. I don't think Anthony Davis viewing himself as a business is great for the NBA. And it got taken there and it's not, it's not something that really resonates. And it didn't really come up in my big argument with Nick Wright over Michael Jordan versus LeBron, but Michael Jordan doing it largely with one team. And then after he was, at his peak being on the Wizards as this weird little epilogue. But for the most part, he's a bull. The 14 original Jordan sneakers, 14 Chicago Bulls seasons, it matters more. It should matter more. It should matter more than I played this out and I've handpicked my next situation that has the talent I want to allow me to win a championship somewhere else. It just, I, it just should. I guess the question is, though, do you think it matters more right now? I think you could objectively say that, but what about 20 years from now, right? Because 20 years from now, you, you look at KD's, and, and I, I agree with you, but I'm just, you, you look at KD's yeah. statements, he's like, well, this is kind of about the CBA, was kind of like, hey, this is, this is good for the league, right? This is good that these moves are being made. We want to normalize this stuff. And part of me feels like that they feel that 20 years from now, this stuff is just going to be what people are going to be used to. Um, you and I may still feel the same way, but what about your kid? Right. What about actually both of you have kids? So all of those kids, yeah. right, they might feel like that's the norm. Well, that <laughs> well, the, these guys might be the reason that our kids don't watch sports <laughs> because that's the increasing trend is that only 15 percent of Generation Alpha in surveys, great name, which is the, the great name. the current teenage generation and Sports Business Journal wrote about this. Only 15 percent in surveys say they enjoy watching sports. That's 85 percent who just say, nope, no, thank you. Not really into it enjoy doing other stuff. So um, I don't know what's going to be remembered 20 years from now. I actually think this has become a massive cope of LeBron James fans um, where they keep talking about how, oh, well, in the future, and I've, I've seen some Twitter influencers making this argument of who are these 20-year-old LeBron James fans? I mean, who are these 20-year-old Michael Jordan fans who argue he's better than LeBron maybe they're people who just understand basketball and basketball history and they're able to contextualize what the past was. That's number one. And number two, it's just a matter of fact at this point that the current generation, when you do ask them these questions and Chris Broussard brought this up in his argument with Nick Wright, and he actually cited the data, young people now say Michael Jordan is better than LeBron James. So I think 20 years from now, that's just something that people are going to think because that's something people think now, including the generation that only has LeBron to watch to go on. Also, and I, also, I resent that LeBron fan argument because I never watched Babe Ruth play baseball. But as yes. a child, I was told he was the greatest player of yeah. all time. It's yeah, just, you yeah, know, we, we, I'm going off we, of like a black and white photo. That's uh, it. You yeah, know? yeah, we have object permanence. You know, we're, we're able to look at a situation and go, yes, I watched X player during this amount of time, but I don't, you know, I don't think that just because I saw this player 
uh, that obviously he meant more to the sport than a player from the past. I mean, we, we have the ability to look back and have that kind of understanding and go, you know, Barry Bonds was better than I don't know who you want to mention right now. I mean, steroids, everything, you know, all, all, no, I'm making the, I'm making the argument like in the other direction. Oh, I'm okay. going like, I understand that Barry Bonds was better than Mike Trout. Um, now, you know, and no amount of trying to, <laughs> no amount of trying to put the metrics in front of me and convince me <laughs> that, you know, well, actually he's just as good. It's like, no, I know what I saw. I know yeah. it's a fact. The argument, well, we could do it very subjective now. I think we're getting far afield, but uh, hey, getting getting smoked by Otani right there. That was Trout's moment. That was Trout's moment to validate the nerds, and he failed right there. That's my take. Yeah, that was, I mean, he had no shot. That You're already a two, three out of ten shot at, at hitting, and then you're facing one of the best pitchers. And I mean, just. Oh, I love your, your Otani love. You're Ooh. right, though, man. Not He should be on the Giants. I mean, it was a mistake. That was a Manfred mistake. <laughs> you're, you're saying commissioner you throw, commissioner level yeah you gotta throw sure. your body in front of that like where's your power where's your soft power you're gonna let the angels get this guy like, well, not the, a- the, the problem is next season he'll be on the dodgers um and and is i mean that maybe objectively is a good thing for, for the yeah. league but i mean i would say so yeah so that's kind of you know they'll figure it out i mean the giants didn't have the dh maybe the giants would have had a shot but it's the Giants. yeah but if the dh existed in the Who's to say he wouldn't have ended up on the Dodgers at the beginning? To yeah, begin facts, you know, so, facts. <laughs> exactly. You know, something we'll see. Mm, yeah. He's he's ridiculous, and that World Baseball Classic gets to our point. Like that was probably the most compelling baseball I've seen in a long, long time. Because exactly, you got to see best versus best, right? This week's Light Years podcast brought to you by Sword Vitality. Listen up, Dub Nation, especially all our guys out there. We have a special offer on the newest addition to your daily self-care routine. Do you shower, brush your teeth, and I know you manscape to keep the ladies in your life happy. Listen, no shame. Self-care is cool and manly, and that's why you need to add Sword Vitality Excalibur to your daily routine. Sword Vitality Excalibur can encourage optimal sexual health by increasing blood flow to help you thrive when it matters. Trust me, you might think your girl's happy, but what if she could be happier? This 30-day regimen designed to benefit your reproductive function can help maintain a healthy libido and stamina. Now, who doesn't want to last longer? You'll be proud of this product. It looks good on your shelf. It sure as hell feels good, and it shows your partner you care. Add Sword Vitality to your pregame, and you'll always be ready for game time. Visit SwordVitality.com now. Use promo code LIGHTYEARS at checkout for a nice discount. That's swordvitality.com. Use promo code LIGHTYEARS. And that discount won't be the only nice thing that you'll be getting. I mean, we rarely yeah. get to see that in basketball. <laughs> like, we saw Steph against... Oh, you, don't, you don't love the All-Star? You don't love the All-Star game? <laughs> oh, my God. That was... What was that? Like a week of discourse about how bad it was? Um, That's how bad it was. It's incredible. It, was. As it, it really brings out all the Kobe clips. Um, and I mean, those were some compelling clips of Kobe saying that this is what the fans pay to see. They want to see the best players go against each other head up. And so you should try this radical concept that Kobe Bryant espoused. And yeah, it's just not. Do, does feel not like it's on offer. Does feel like some you know you see SGA's quote about money during during that during that interview. <laughs> and, and you're just kind of it, I, I don't not gonna say the players hate the fans but I, I do feel like it's it's something where they're kind of looking oh. at the fans and saying like eh, like we don't really give a shit about you guys as, yeah. as, as much as some of the guys I, I go, they I'm, don't play they, they don't feel the need to even play the game I, I think you know no, I go the I kind of go the other way I don't blame SGA I I blame the people in charge because he's by all like accounts, a good kid, but this is how he sees it because there's nobody communicating that it should be any other kind of way. All the communication from on high is that you don't have responsibilities to your job beyond whatever is on the exact dotted line. And sometimes even then, sometimes even then, I mean, I, I made this point on a few podcasts, but it remains amazing to me that Ben Simmons didn't show up to work and the NBA had shit to say about it. You know, it's like, it's a difficult situation when, you know, we hear this. Obviously, we would like players to play, 
but, 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 but it's just, why do you make the Sixers be the bad guy in that situation and, and suspend them? I mean, I know the NBA had the Sixers backing to do that. And that's why the Sixers, you know, found it fit to, to uh, find him and do what they did. But this is a situation where nobody from on high is really sending the message that, hey, these are your responsibilities. This is what you have to do, and it matters. So it makes sense to me that a young guy like like SGA is going to go, well, you know, if I'm not paid money to do this um, specifically, then I'm not going to try because nobody's really sending the message to me that this is the biggest night of the NBA regular season and it's worth a tremendous amount of money to the league partners and it's good to try. Nobody's telling him that. So he's responding in kind. Yeah, it's someone needs to be the bad guy, basically, is what you're saying. Someone needs to be David Stern being like, I don't, you know, I'm going to say the unpopular thing and you're going to hate me for it, but everyone's going to benefit from it. I mean, the, the John Morant stuff is another case. I know the article just came out today about him. And that, that's, Good I mean, Lord. you talk about Ben Simmons, but nobody gives a shit about Ben Simmons. Uh, John okay. Morant is, that is the I next mean, dude. That is the, I mean, <laughs> we talked about this, John Morant is fun to watch. Casual fans that don't know anything about basketball, don't give a shit to watch every night. Look at John Morant and go, that dude is going to be yeah. the most exciting player in the NBA. If, if not already, outside of like yeah. the usual. By thing. the way. I'm sorry to interject, but I loved, okay, so you, A, I loved it because you were referencing something I said, and as a narcissist, I was into it. I got you. But but I was making the point that one of the reasons everybody walks on eggshells and treads carefully on the Morant situation is that he's worth so much potentially to the league because he's the only Gen Z superstar with massive marketing potential because he's an American and everything else. And it was funny to see the NBA Twitter um, kind of, uh, do we say intelligentsia? People who, you know, they, they're great observers of basketball because they're so into it, but it's totally ruined their perspective. And they started yelling at you about the other potential superstars that the league could have from that generational cohort. It's just like, no, no, this is the only guy. There's no other option. What, Devin Booker? No, I'm sorry. Your mom's never going to know who Devin Booker is. It's never going to happen. Never, 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 ever. Unless she's a Phoenix resident, is she going to know who Devin Booker is? John ja Morant has a shot at that because he's just got that thing. He's just got that thing. He's got the Nike signature shoe deal. He's got the ad campaign. A whole lot of eggs are in that basket. And if it doesn't work out, it, it's just a really bad thing for Nike and it's a bad thing for the NBA. And it ironically creates the conditions that you're talking about where nobody seems to be telling that guy what he needs to hear. So because they're so dependent on him, they're almost, at least from my outsider's perspective, raising the odds that it becomes um, a bad outcome and the end of a, a new true Hollywood story. God, I'm old to make that reference. <laughs> Uh, and, and then the weird part about that article today, and maybe you can shed light on this because you actually worked in this space, but word of Morant's behavior spread quickly through parts of the sports media. Some journalists would later say publicly and basically implying people knew about this, but didn't report on it for an extended period of time. And yeah. I just, I guess it would seem to me as someone who's never worked, um, in that space, if I had something like that, that would be something that potentially could be huge for me as a professional to report, mm. right? Like forget like yeah. journalistic obligation. How about me as a, someone hoping to advance yeah. my career? Yeah, no, definitely. And there's something interesting where the social incentives outweigh some of the financial incentives. And I think that a lot more than people will admit they're just scared to go over the middle. They're just scared to get that blowback. They're scared to become the main Twitter, character. Twitter, on Twitter. Is, Twitter is prime Mick, Mike about, Singletary, just ready to <laughs> lay you out if you if you run across your ground. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, a little Ray Lewis, whatever we yeah. want to update this with. Or how about they just don't want to get yelled at by an NBA superstar in a press conference? Um, because I know... <laughs> I know a little bit like what that's like, but from Kevin Durant's perspective, I remember he was complaining to people and he was saying like, doesn't he get it that this is a good situation and he can just rise with us. That's, that's what he said about how, why would you want to just be PR? Yeah, exactly. Because from his perspective, I mean, played 
you know, where he played, uh, there's a sense that, well, I'm amazing. This situation's good. We're going to win the championship. I mean, I hate it, but it's good for him. (laughs) (laughs) I want to get out of here, but it's good for these guys. So why don't they just kind of ride with it, spin it off into being a national reporter as happens. Um, And that makes a certain amount of sense. But I think that in NBA media, a lot of the times people will rationalize to themselves why they can't do a story because they need to get the bigger story or they need to break the news later on. And I think it's often a cope. I'm not thinking of anybody specific when I say it, but I think it's often a cope. I'm not trying to not (laughs) wanting. Well, I don't, it's fine if I get in trouble. I just don't want to, I don't want it to seem like I'm impugning somebody specific. I'm sure I've done something like this before, right? Um, I did it probably on the Wiggins story, Sam, which uh, that was one I was, where I, I have other options to write about and think about. And that was one where some of my readers wanted me to talk about that. But for a variety of reasons, I didn't. And I think you can rationalize yourself out of talking about something that's pertinent, that would be good for you career-wise, just because you don't want to deal with all the bullshit. I, I would like to hear, to segue this over, you already did it, but I would like to hear what you would have done um, if you were still a, a, a beat reporter or national reporter. The last 20, whatever, the last six weeks in the Lewigan saga, what would you have done? A handheld camcorder outside the Wiggins residence in Minnesota ambush interview, like one of those old school Michael Moore documentaries. (laughs) Um, Clearly, that would have been the play. Andrew and Um, me. That would be the documentary. (laughs) Andrew Andrew and me. Um, I, it's a very good question because I sometimes did do some of that stuff of everybody's talking about it, but nobody will share it. Yes, I definitely yeah, do yes, that on my, yes. I definitely do that on my sub stack. The, like that is a theme of everybody's thinking it. Okay. I guess, I, don't know, I guess I'll say it. Um, this one was a little bit weird for a variety of reasons. One of them is the feeling that even though the fans care now, they're going to turn on you. They're going to turn on Sam. For They were all on Sam's side. But if the Warriors go on a run and Wiggins plays great and then win the championship, they'll be right there pointing. The same people who wanted Sam to give them answers and were saying, yeah, they'll turn on him and they'll say, what were you doing questioning this beautiful man? Um, he was in pain. How dare you? How dare you? I think I would approach the story maybe more from the agency perspective because I legitimately don't want to get into whatever personal issue Wiggins had, but I also don't want to be lied to. And I think that's fair and it might not be the highest stakes situation in the world, but there's something bizarre about a guy being gone two months, not getting an explanation of it beyond that. It's personal details. People are seeing whatever they're seeing on Instagram, filling that kind of void. And then the explanation is dad illness with no specificity. And there's this willingness for everybody or at least a lot of people to jump on that and go, yeah, well, obviously, obviously. It's like, okay, well, I don't understand then if that's happening, why it would be hidden. That doesn't make sense. Let's be real here. This is Andrew Wiggins. This is not This is not Steph Curry. This is not somebody that TMZ would line up outside the family house or the hospital and, and bother your family member. So it doesn't make a lot of sense. And then furthermore, they've got this big press conference, 13 minutes, Bob Myers sitting next to Wiggins, And the thing that I would say about Wiggins in his favor, he's a very honest guy. I don't know much about him as a person other than that, actually. But it was very clear to me because of the uh, the whole vaccine controversy that he was very straight up and in the face of what was a lot of media pressure back then, admitted what his preference was, what his decision was. And then after winning the championship, when the same media members and people in the Bay Area wanted to embrace him again, and he was asked about it, didn't say, I was happy about having had to do it, even though that's what they would have wanted. He didn't give it to them. So there's clearly something in that guy where he doesn't want to lie. And so it was very interesting to see that 13-minute press conference, and he brings up his father zero times. So. And when he's asked about it, says doesn't want to talk about it, never mentions the father, which, I mean, Sam, can we be honest that we were hearing like a month before sure. that his his agency wanted to really push this as the explanation? So, you know, all's well that ends well. I don't think a lot of fans really care what's going on in his life or want to pry like that. It was more a situation that didn't make a lot of sense on the face of it. 
and it was unprecedented. And it's the type of thing that can only happen in Adam Silver's NBA, to be honest. I mean, you might favor that. I know a lot of people at least performatively favor a situation where guys leave for months because of family issues, but that's not something that ever would have happened under, under Stern. And so it made sense that fans had questions and I don't like when people start indicting the fans and criticizing the fans the, for that. You know, was I don't the part like which, that. That was the part where I had an issue with like to this day, I've not played with like, you know, retweeting or sharing rumors. I've heard. I really yeah. don't care to like, it, that's just too TMZ gossipy for me. It's everyone has a personal life. Things go on. Um, yeah. But when you're getting into a key player not playing and not knowing if he will come back, and honestly, we still don't know if he'll be able to play up to the level he's capable of playing because of the layoff, and it affects yeah. their chances to win. It's a basketball yeah. question. It's a basketball question to wonder oh. if this situation will affect their ability to, to win a title. I mean, I could make the case right now, um, if he was there, they're probably the four or the three seed by this point because they're three games away from it, and oh. he's easily one of their three or four best players. So again, and it's just you can only take so much bullshit. And mm-hmm. Bob Myers is doing what he's supposed to do. They they have managed to land this plane. They've managed to reconcile the situation. He's back for the playoff run, um, and so he's he is basically saying the message in that press conference of this is what matters. This is what matters even more than bat. It's just like okay, but you're saying that because he's back. I mean, come on, let's cut the shit. Like yeah. we all know what we're they, here. To they do. also, they this also want to. This isn't a. This isn't a sitcom about life lessons. You know, like what are we? What are we doing? Like, what, 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 what is this about? I don't know why he didn't quote Buddha or something. I mean, it would have been great. Like a like a like a <laughs> Kendall. Oh, that's I a session on my mind. Yeah, that's I was gonna say that's, that's the Palinka move. Bring a book up there and read something. <laughs> You know, um, uh, I'm frustrated now. Now to get past kind of what happened, I'm I'm frustrated by the way that media has talked about the Warriors and how quote unquote great they are at bringing Wiggins back to the fold. And I'm just like, dude, like stop. Like mm-hmm. for, number one, they only did this because he. What if what if yeah. he had choked? And then what if he had played like Clay Thompson did, who wasn't by the way. Rewatched Game Six mm-hmm. last night. Clay was awful. What if, what if Andrew Wiggins mm-hmm. didn't? wasn't amazing in the NBA finals and they end up losing. Like, do they do this? Do they cut him some slack? Or, or if he's tied no. Yeah. Or if no. he's tied Jerome. Yeah, yeah. Or, or Anthony that's the, like, And that's the thing. That's the annoying thing. It's like everybody pretends that it's not about basketball, yeah. but it's about basketball. His leverage to what Andy is saying is about basketball. If he was worse, then they would probably put more pressure on him, ironically. Yes. If they needed him less, they would put less pressure on him. And again, I think this is all the power vacuum because the Warriors shouldn't be in the position to do this. This should be a league thing to be able to have these standards and guardrails. Right, if and, you know, if it was if it was David Stern, I mean, I was like, if I'm the Warriors, just, I would have played it exactly the way they did because they basically yeah. got to protect yes. one of their key players who they know is not the type to respond well to a certain level of scrutiny about his personal life, um, and they got to bring him back into the fray with a really soft landing which yeah. bodes well for him being able to play up to his capabilities uh, quicker than let's just say if this turned in, like just imagine if this was the NFL, the noise, all this stuff, he wouldn't be able it to would get never the, it, it would never happen. Of course it would never happen. But like you, you get <laughs> the noise. I mean, it yeah. would, he's not going to hear about it at all. He'll play his first no. game and the post game will be, well, he's rusty because he hasn't played in a while. And it's like, well, yes, of course yeah. he's rusty. He hasn't played in a while. As I say, let's I just, watch him hit six threes in his first game. I mean, who knows? Maybe the rest is is beneficial. I'm not sure. I just I was thinking about like if it was again. My main point because I don't see it made enough is that this is the league's role to yeah. say here are our standards. This is the CBA. This is what you need you, you doing. Obviously, if somebody dies or if there's the birth of a child, you you go there and then you come back. But but this is what you get paid over thirty million dollars to do. I mean, if it was if it was stern, I'm just like even you can't even imagine. It'd be I, I don't know, like well, we hear what your agency is saying of what the reason is, Andrew. Do you think we don't have Instagram? Do you think we don't? No, I don't know what he would say. I was, anyway, I'm trying to imagine. Actually, David Stern with the amount of social media, I see what your friends are posting. I just like yeah. 
It would. Yeah, yeah. We see <laughs> what your friends are posting. We wouldn't want it to be a bigger issue in the media. <laughs> Light Years Podcast kick off the new year with new gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and much more. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair that we've worn, durable frames, and extremely clear optics for outdoors adventures. That's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection, insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they, they told us they'll send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. If you don't love them, you can also exchange for a new pair, return them, or you can return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back. Light Years Podcast always has your back. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving our best deal of the year. Go to ShadyRays.com. Use code LightYears for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself. The shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. Did you, by the way, did you take Bob Myers' comments as like a veiled shot at the media? Where he not from them? how we saw it. It was very Kevin Durant. You can rise with us, uh, sort of sort of sense. I don't think sometimes I don't think they even see it the same way as you might see it. But can you? I mean, can you kind of give the? Because I'm trying to remember exactly how you how he said it. Can you? Tell, thanked, I'm running your podcast now. Can you tell no, the audience? He thanked, he thanked the media for their discretion in not pursuing the personal details and respecting his privacy uh, as we live in this era where everyone yeah. wants clicks and there's no privacy. And, yeah. you know, just kind of it was it was at minimum a very strong like let's disarm yeah. everyone and make them feel good. I'm going to yeah. make you feel like a very, good person agent move. It was, is like FDR's press secretary saying thanks that nobody thanks to all of you for not showing a photo of the wheelchair. You know, that's <laughs> we 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 that's very good that we did that. Um yeah, I wouldn't feel great about that if I was in that press conference. I would feel like I probably should have done something different than what, what happened. Um like, like your job to report on <laughs> well, yeah, I would have I but it's it's tough. I mean, sometimes yeah. There are different tiers of what you know when you're doing that kind of job. It's just this funny thing. And it's like they've got such an exquisite sense of what everybody knows, mm-hmm. what the media knows, but everybody doesn't know, what maybe one-on-one they're cool with you know, you knowing, but no other media member can know it. And then the final level is you shouldn't know that. Something went wrong that you know that. And that was always fun when I, when I got to level, when I got, when I got that, because you could almost see the look of shock or the look of panic when that happens. But um, I think they did a good job of preventing anybody from really getting to level one in a very, and when I say level one, I'm not talking about what's going on with him. I'm more talking about what's going on organizationally, because you know, everybody in the organization wasn't cool with what was happening. But they did a good job of staying, you know, united and not letting anybody, or as far just as like I know, coaches get to who are one. nervous because it really hurts their ability to win games. Like yeah. just as a yeah, just as a brass tax. Like I mean, you you probably know the coaching staff as well as anyone. At least the the mainstays. Like those guys are very competitive. They think in very yeah. binary terms. Correct. Oh, and they worry about things. They were very mm-hmm. worried in 2019 that. Kevin Durant was not going to show up and really bring his full self. And that was a whole drama that played out in all kinds of different ways with him getting hurt and then coming back and getting hurt again. But before all of that, there was this, this fear because I think in a few of those games against the Clippers, he kind of uh, detached and then he scored a bajillion points. I think in the, uh, the clinching game for them against the Clippers and looked incredible um but yeah i mean i remember being around that situation oh, the top locking comment oh yeah i couldn't get a shot yeah. off because patrick beverly is top top long it's like come on man. yeah yeah and then I'm, he was just then he was just amazing um i i mean yeah they're always worrying they're always grousing coaches as a rule hate their players which is always funny <laughs> i mean they they know they know overall that the players 
matter and that the players, you know, they're grateful for great players, but they also hate their players because they're so dependent on their players and the players are always doing something other than what they told them to do. So if you ever get a coach honest off record, all they're doing is just grousing and bitching about what their very best players are doing at the moment. So yeah, they would be flipping out about it and I don't think they would be as sensitive. I mean, that's the other thing with the NBA. It's so Hollywood. I mean, it's amazing to see the dichotomy between how the speeches are projected outwardly as opposed to when you're on the ground level talking to these guys in the locker room and they don't even talk the same language. It's just a different, you know, it's just a different thing. It's just, you, you hear a very sensitive coach uh, out there talking to everybody touchy-feely and then you're talking to him in the locker room and he's talking about the other player and he's like that guy's a pussy and you got to cut his fucking throat and like that's <laughs> you know it's just a different it there's there's a lot of hollywood there's a lot of pretending and i think it, i mean it's look, definitely man, we're parents a, we understand it. Yeah. there's certain things you can't say in front of the children yeah, that yeah. Well, that's say. how they regard the fans. <laughs> that's how they regard. That's how they regard the fans. I mean, I don't know uh, if I want. Extent. Do you want Steve Kerr on the podium saying that? Actually, actually, it would be fun. It would, <laughs> it be, would fun. be really fun. I personally would fun. like it, but I could see how Steve's that's not a the different, best move for him. We're not calling Steve a liar, but like Steve's a different guy. He's a competitive, fiery guy. He's. You mean he, Scottish Steve? <laughs> Scottish Steve, I like it. That's uh, I don't know. I get, I'm a, Race I'm science not. brought to you by Samus Fendiari. That's uh, Fitz's go-to move when he's describing like how Steve Kerr gets really angry. Oh, he's gonna give him a dose of Scottish Steve in the locker room. Oh my, oh my <laughs> god! Like, some of I, his I, things it, are just amazing. In the courtiness. I just it's in, in, incredible, incredible coinage. Uh, like all the good. I miss Big Jim. I want Big Jim back. I want Big Jim back, and I want the nickname back. What That's were your thoughts? Point. What were your thoughts on uh, the Wiseman stuff? I found him fascinating. Just I've never seen a player able to produce so well in the box score while utterly crushing his team. That it was <laughs> almost a magic trick, and. It's to the point where you can't totally write them off in a way because there have been these guys where they're plus minus disasters. And then later on, they actually marry the statistical production to the winning. I would bet against it in this case. Um, but I, I found that, I just found that fascinating. It was almost like by watching him and watching Looney, you could learn so much about basketball just by watching those two guys. And specifically, you could learn so much about basketball that isn't captured in a box score in opposite directions. And so I found the saga fascinating. And I actually did find myself less interested in the season after the trade because I did enjoy those minutes. I did enjoy the roller coaster, even though it was really bad for the. There was no it was up bad on for the roller Warriors. coaster. It was just down. The roller coaster. Was but there was down. this thing of like, oh, a little jump hook. Oh, look at that right there. Oh, maybe he. Maybe is he getting it? He might be. He might be. Oh no, he did. He doesn't get it. <laughs> but maybe no, no. But no, he doesn't. He, he's never gonna get it. Oh, but wait, runs, runs <laughs> into Clay's man. Oh no, no, not happening. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like Kaminga does the same stuff, but at least Kaminga does a lot more good stuff. <laughs> um, so it's yeah. just young guy stuff, right? So I, I'd bet against it too. I don't watch Pistons game anymore. I watched like the first five games that he played in Detroit, and I was like, all right, well, it's the same dude, so I'm not gonna waste my time watching. Watch, anymore, watched anymore. a few minutes of it last night because it seemed like it was getting interesting. Mm. Uh, he's still the same guy. Yeah, it's the same dude. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be he's for the next chance. year or so until at yeah. some point he figures it out. Like maybe he doesn't get the contract that he wants or maybe there's no extension, right? Maybe they don't pick up the option. Something like that where he's like, okay, like I'm going to have to it, actually it figure seems, out how to play basketball. Yeah, I was going to say, he seems to me like the kind of guy who needs to feel um, the negative to actually yeah. want to change because basically they benched him because they're like, look, man, we're trying to win games and you, you can't even set a screen properly. <laughs> um, and then he just was able to sulk his way into a uh, trade that lets him do whatever he wants on the court again, you know? Yeah. So it's got to hit that situation where it's like, no, you're on a veteran minimum or like a 10 day yep. until you commit to doing things that teams actually value in terms of winning. You know, honestly, isn't that, isn't that what happened with JaVale? 
in some I was ways. Literally just it did. That type yeah. of He's career. that's the best comp. That's the best comp for him is Javale, um, which isn't what you want with the second pick. But that draft is such a disaster, and it was in such trying circumstances that it makes sense that it was a disaster with COVID hitting right then. That I don't blame the team for the pick. Um, I know. There was a lot in the aftermath. I well, did. yeah, like LaMelo talent-wise would have been the best pick, but that hasn't even really LaMelo's worked out best, tremendously. Man. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, so it's just, yeah, we're, we're getting, I mean, look, if you wanted to have the balls to pick, pick Tyrese Halliburton the only one. Way, way ahead of where the other teams picked him, then, I mean, that would have been a great pick. But even, even in the case of him, he's on a team that didn't draft him. So it's just one of the biggest draft disasters of any year so far. We're watching Patrick Williams in it last night against the Bucks. Oh, Patrick! Like, geez, like, geez, I'm sure nerds like this guy, but man, he, he's he's another one of those. The idea of him is better than the 100%. actual. You're like, oh, six eight wing yeah. can uh, shoot, shoot a little, a little bit. bit. Yeah. yeah. So then you watch him, and you're like, hmm, kind of looks like Mo Harkless out there. Long career, Mo Harkless. But yeah. Um, I will say this, and this, I want to tee up a voicemail we got like this morning, which I think is a fun discussion item for us um, trading him made me gain a lot of trust back in the organization. Mm. Cause my big thing, the last like year and a half with this two timeline plan is like at times it did feel like they were more interested in James Wiseman than winning with Steph Curry. And like, almost like, all right, you, you guys want a title. Let's see if I can gut this more for more kids, you know, like that sort of thing. Mm. And like, in trading him, it's just a silent admission. Didn't work. We're gonna we're gonna yeah. bring a veteran in. You know, maybe it's not the perfect way to do it that we wanted, but at least it's a it's a nod to say like, no, we're not maniacs. We're not like watching what's going on in the court and being like, the answer here is to trade Clay for another nineteen year old. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. It's that that's a virtue to be able to know when something isn't working anymore. It's really hard in an organization because there's a lot of capital behind that and big time decision makers bet on it and they sold the ownership on it. It's hard for them to reverse course on those. And so I agree with you and it was a little weird with the whole injury situation, but it's fun to see GP two back. It's, yeah. it just feels right. Um, so let me play this voicemail we got. Hey, Sam and Andy, this is uh, Dan from Tiburon. Um, Clearly, you didn't like my loony calls with all the names and such, so I'll cut the horse shit and just give you my take. <laughs> so ideally, we win the championship this season, but if we don't, I think the silver lining is Jonathan Kuminga. I mean, what a beast that kid is. Uh, also, you know, we got to figure out the payroll situation. Hopefully, Draymond stays, and hopefully, uh, Clay extends at a discount. But I have faith in Joe. You know, he's a sports owner who wants to win, and that's really what changed everything. Um, and obviously, Steph changed everything too. So, okay, that's my take. I'm out. Take care. I wanted to share that take because I feel like the most common sentiment I get with Warrior fans and people around the Bay Area, like actual people, not people on Twitter, mm. is oh. Joe Lacob's. Carrying about Wiggins family. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Joe Lacob's the best <laughs> owner since Eddie DeBartolo. They'll figure it out. Um, they want to win mm. even, you know, um, when, you know, at some point Steph's going to retire because that's life, but I trust this ownership group. Um, and I think that's interesting, uh, in general, like you've spent time around the organization, particularly during the rise of the organization. Um, I'll, I'll tee you up a little bit, Ethan here. How much do you actually buy something like that as a sentiment? Like it, can you bet the warriors in the long game, like beyond Beyond the uh, the Steph Curry era, I just think if this is the case, this is a market inefficiency. If there's ownership love, which we know is D Class A, uh, cheering on the billionaire, you can't do that on Twitter. But if people are feeling it, you guys should sell a shirt that has Joe Lacob looking psychotic and pounding his chest, and it reads "Joe makes this go," and that's the shirt you should sell. Joe. Masses. Most That's people, the, most most normal people love Joe Lacob. It's pretty. It's it's as one they, plus one. Yeah, it's one plus as one. As they should. Bought the as team. Should. Team is great. It's very simple. Is, There's it, no. Is he is he Gavin Belson from Silicon Valley? Yes, but <laughs> did he was he essential in making the organization great? 
And if you remember what it was like under Chris Cohan, you have a lot of gratitude yes. if you're a fan. Yes. yes. Both both of those, both of those are true. And what I love about him is how unremorsefully unlovable he is. That's my favorite part about him. Yeah, like I totally I get how that, he rubs people the yeah. wrong way. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. I like that he doesn't want to even try to be loved in this fake kind of way. I always look at Mark Benioff who is the big power in San Francisco. I know Andy can't say anything. It's okay, Andy. I'm just saying that there are billionaires who really want you to love them. And maybe they do some good things along the way. Um, but sometimes it's enjoyable to have somebody who goes, all I want to do is win and I don't care about anything else. And that's what I'm here for. Um, and I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen in the aftermath of Steph. It might be... Uh, it might be a comeuppance for old Joe uh, who might have uh, thought he could do more because he had this incredible wonder strike of having had Steph there. But I think that's a reasonable take to go, look, here's the thing. It's not that you just trust in Joe and they'll be great forever because of Joe Lacob, but they have the essential component of a guy at the top who gives a shit and really cares. And it, it, it should be taken for granted that you have that. But in some cases, that's not there. And if that's not there, and there's some, there, there's no talking about involved, my Oakland A's. <laughs> I'm talking about your Oakland A's. I'm talking about the Chris Coham Warriors because here's what happens in that situation: it's a power vacuum. And when there's a power vacuum, everybody's just knifing each other. There's no order. That's what happened under Cohan. It was Game of Thrones beneath them. So to just have a guy who cares at the top and is invested. I think is a tremendous asset to an organization, if not a prerequisite for sustained excellence, if it is going to happen. So I, I don't necessarily trust that because there's a lot of luck involved. I don't trust that it means after Steph, the Warriors will be great, but they at least have a component that's absolutely necessary if they are to be. Look at us, Lake of Believers, the show. Mm. The show. Joe I'm, makes I'm, this go. I'm shooting it straight. I just needed to... I just needed them to to metaphorically touch grass and admit Wiseman wasn't working, yeah. and I'm back in. Yeah. Just yeah. well, Joe, it had to go through him. It had, it's not like Bob was like, "Let's sneak this, let's sneak this through the mm. back door and, and trade Wiseman and Lake won't notice." Like they had to go to Joe and say, <laughs> "Hey, look, man, this kid sucks. We need him out of here, <laughs> and we're gonna trade. We're not just gonna trade him. We're gonna trade him for a guy that is hurt and won't play for six weeks. But screw it." Because we <laughs> don't want him in the in the in the in the office, we can't stand him. I know you. Yeah. I know you sold all the minority owners that we just drafted Giannis 2.0, and <laughs> and it, we're gonna win for 25 straight years. And you know, it's the money's gonna keep rolling in light years ahead. But it's <laughs> what has to be done. You know, like I, I get it. Yeah. He's yeah. a salesman. You, you, know sneak, you just got to speak his language. Yeah. You got to speak his language. Yeah, I can see Joe Lake. I'm like, Bob came to me and he showed me with some <laughs> open AI technology. Oh we asked the question, should James Wiseman be on the team? It's really hard. It's really hard to think that maybe he shouldn't, but that's what, that's what it said. And so I bought into it. <laughs> Deep down, I would, have lo- I would love to know what they privately thought of that situation at the end of the day before they let it go. Cause like the public facing is exactly that. It's like, well, I got to trust my basketball people. You know, this could mm. backfire for us. Joe's not making that move. If he thinks it backfires for him. Like, are you no. kidding me? No, it's very Logan Roy. Uh, yes, you can fire my girlfriend. Uh, but I, you know, I can't be involved. I was never here. My fingerprints <laughs> aren't on it. <laughs> oh, I think we should end it there. Ethan, appreciate you coming on. Um, Tee up some House of Strauss. Get, tell the people what they can expect if they don't subscribe. I know uh, a chunk of Lightyear's listeners subscribe, but let, let's assume not everyone does. What can they what okay. can they expect over there? I didn't have an elevator pitch before, but now I do. Now I do, and I will name drop. It was given to me by one Daryl Morey when I went to Sloan. He said, asking the questions about sports that others are too afraid to ask. Grandiose? Yes. True? Maybe you be the judge. Maybe you subscribe and find out. Uh, I do podcasts. I do articles. I do reporting. I do opinion. Um, and it has been successful. And I think it's been successful in part because, as we're noting earlier in this conversation, 
there's just a lot of stuff where people aren't going to get real about increasingly in media. Too much fear of going over the middle. House of Strauss, we go over the middle all the time. There you go. Perfect. And that is a good elevator pitch. By the way, shout out Daryl Morey for giving you that one because going over the middle, I like that. That is a um, perfect analogy for what we're talking about mm. here. Really paints yeah. the picture. Well, you know, it's like turning injuries off when you're your own boss and there's no Slack channel. And now the metaphor is getting mixed and I'm screwing up the dismount. But I appreciate you having me on, Sam. Appreciate you having me on, Andy. Anytime, as you guys know. Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.